Welcome to So What Else. My name is Caitlin Elliott and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, the big important things they've been through, and also the random stuff. We're going to talk about it all here. This podcast is just me talking with fascinating people so that we can all hear what they have to share with the world. So what else? Hey guys, this week on So What Else, Scott is back interviewing me and I I really go for it this week. You know, I uh, open up about something that I haven't, you know, shared with too many people, honestly, in my life. Um, it's my single biggest struggle uh, that I've dealt with my entire life. And so Scott basically interviews me about that and we walk through just my whole story with it kind of from beginning until present day. So I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of So What Else. So again this week, we're going to have an episode that's a little bit different. Scott is here again. What's up guys? So Scott's here again, but this time it's just me and him. All right, so last week it was Scott interviewing my sisters and I. This week Scott is going to be interviewing just me about uh, just kind of another aspect of my story and my life and stuff like that. So um as you guys know, if you've listened um, to other episodes of So What Else, you know I'm pretty open about the fact that counseling has been like a big part of my life for the past five or six years. Um, and I've also started to be more open about the fact that I've been on medication for anxiety for about the past year and a half-ish, I would say. Um, but something that I am not always as forthcoming about is what really started my counseling journey in the first place and what kind of led me there to begin with. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So um, I've been waiting for this uh, episode and I'm very excited for it and very nervous. Um, this is a, a deep part of Caitlin's life and she's going to be um, sharing some of probably the most vulnerable parts of her story. Uh, and for me, this is a story that I, you know, I kind of woke up to throughout our relationship. There was parts that have been there all along and parts that, you know, I kind of discovered as we went along. And, um, you know, you guys are tonight going to walk through this story kind of the way that I did. You, you know, you'll she's going to share and some of it, you know, maybe some of you will say, I have no idea what what's going on uh, as I was. And then some of you might know right from the beginning uh, exactly, you know, maybe it aligns with your story or somebody you know. Um, so, you know, I just invite you to come along for the ride as she shares some of this. And um, yeah, I hope that it, it provides, you know, shed some light mm -hmm. for you guys. But um, yeah, so why don't you take us back to the beginning, actually. Tell us about kind of your childhood and where this started. Yeah, so basically not to like spoil the punchline, but like what we're basically talking about today is like my disordered relationship with food, body image, things like that. So if you go back, if I think back to like my childhood, it makes me sad because I realized that from a very, very young age, I was super aware of the fact that I was in like a larger body than some of my peers, like my cousins or my siblings or things like that. And um, I remember being um, very young 
and being at the pediatrician's office. My mom remembers this too. We've talked about it. And I was so young that my brother was in the room with me for my physical. So like obviously we were young enough to where like that's not weird. Do you know what I mean? So like I think I was literally four years old, right? And it's like my brother's in there with me, my mom. And I remember the doctor looking at my mom and saying, um, yeah, she's healthy, you know, like whatever. Um, but yeah, she's definitely on the chunky side. And Ooh. she like just kind of said it like it was nothing. And, you know, in speaking with my mom about it now, you know, so many years later, my mom's like, I wanted to wring her neck. Like, you know what I mean? She was like, I couldn't believe that she, uh, you know, had called you chunky to your face. Like, as it, like, it was horrifying. Like, my mom was horrified by it. But, you know, at the time, my brother just kind of like giggled and, and we kind of laughed about it. And we moved on, but it stayed with me. It obviously stayed with me. And, um, you know, I remember being really little and saying to my mom, like, mom, why when I sit down, do my legs go out like this much? But if you see, you know, and I would name maybe one of my cousins or something like that. When she sits down, like her legs don't do that. Like, why Mm. are my legs bigger than hers and you know of course my mom my dad would always just say like god makes us all different and beautiful and it doesn't matter you know no one ever said to me like you aren't as beautiful as somebody who's thinner or anything like that no one ever said that to me but just society and things like that from a very young age I felt aware of the fact that I was in a larger body than other kids around me and it bothered me from a young age. Like it, like elementary school, I felt insecure about my body. That's amazing. I don't even realize that so many times. I mean, our kids are two and four. Yeah. And our four-year-old is probably already picking up on things, statements yeah. about who she is that we don't think she knows or is going to remember, but... Some of those are going to stick with her and she's going to remember forever. Absolutely. Right? That's, that's amazing. But I know, I think you said it was kind of around uh, like seventh grade that you started to act on it. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. What, what was that for you? So basically, I went through elementary school, you know, very insecure. I remember, uh, you know, crying to my mom like about how I hated myself and I didn't like how I looked. I didn't look like the other girls, like things like that. And my mom was amazing. I mean, she never, ever said you should go on a diet, nothing like that, right? Like she would just listen and tell me that I was beautiful and whatever. But in, I remember around seventh grade, I decided like, I'm sick of this. Like I'm sick of hating myself. I'm sick of feeling like this. Like I am going to lose weight. So I set out to lose weight and honestly, like I did it in a healthy way. You know, it, well, I didn't do anything extreme. It was nothing crazy. I started like going for walks after school. I would drink water instead of like soda or whatever, or I had whole wheat bread instead of white bread, nothing crazy. I just kind of gave myself a bit of an education about healthiness and, you know, activity and There was nothing unhealthy about it. You know what I mean? Like I just changed some of my eating habits. And in like one school year, I basically dropped like 10 to 15 pounds. Like I think I went down two or three pant sizes. And it was like drastic. People 
notice. Like it wasn't a thing of like, do you think she lost weight? Like it was obvious that I had lost weight and people commented on it all the time. You know, like from family to friends to people at church, like people were like, oh my gosh, like you look amazing. You look so good. You know, like super, super encouraging. Um, But because I was so young, I internalized that in such a way that was like, oh, like I'm worth something now, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was ugly before, but I'm pretty now that I've like lost this weight, you know? And then boys started paying attention to me for the first time and things like that. And so I kind of became like, okay, this like, this is amazing. Like this is like such a good feeling to like not just feel good about myself, but to have people telling me that I look good, you know, like that makes me feel really good. And that kind of was the, the start of it never being enough. Right. Like I remember even when I lost the weight, there was never a day where I was like, Oh, I've arrived. And now I just want to maintain this. I always wanted to lose like five more pounds. But I couldn't. Like, I could never get that last five pounds off. And so, like, you know, through middle school and high school, it was constantly this, like, literally, like, wishing for a stomach bug type thing. Mm -hmm. Like, so that I could be, you know, a little thinner. And, you know, I started the yo-yo dieting. Then I would start... Then it became unhealthy, right? So I, it was you know, I'm just like a middle schooler or high schooler and I was like going on the South Beach diet or doing that. I remember I did this like crazy like cabbage soup diet in high school. It's like some diet put out by some, I don't know, some hospital or something for people who need to lose weight rapidly for surgery. It's like not meant for a growing 14 year old girl, (laughs) you know what I mean? Who's like going through puberty and things like that. And it's like, you know, you only eat, I don't know. It's like some crazy thing. I don't It was stupid. But the point is I did a lot of like crazy diets to always try and get thinner. And that was kind of like my story through like middle school, high school, college was basically I was just a yo-yo dieter. On the next stupid diet. <laughs> it's odd to hear of a diet that's stupid. Then you look back on it and go, man, what were people thinking? Happens all the time. Uh, but yeah, the, so I mean, I think we all relate to that ever elusive, like it was never enough. Mm-hmm. You lose five pounds, you want to lose five more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel that. And I'm sure there's dopamine hits in there. Totally. People are telling you how great you look and, you know, you're feeling that. And so then your body starts to crave that mm-hmm. as well. And it starts to get really complicated. But then, you know, yo-yo dieting, feeling this at such a young age yeah. to already be dealing with this and have it, I think, setting your identity, who you are, your yeah. rhythms, your patterns of life that early on. I mean, it that that changes your entire trajectory, mm-hmm. but it's also hard to combat those things when they're set so early on in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So and then so after college, um, you graduated and you moved out to Colorado to be with some awesome guy, <laughs> me. <laughs> and uh, that's a big shift. So did the dysfunction continue? Did it get better? Did it change? What did it look like after that? Yeah. So basically I moved out to Colorado right after graduation. It was my first time 
like living away from home, buying my own groceries, my first big girl job, you know, like (laughs) things like that. So I was definitely under a crazy, crazy amount of stress. It was like a really, really, really stressful time in my life. But um, it was my first time, like I said, grocery shopping and cooking for myself, like completely independently. Um, So I think it was probably a combination of being overwhelmed and also as per usual, wanting to be thin, you know, I just only bought like at the grocery store, like very, very, very quote unquote healthy foods, right? And minimal, right? I would buy, like I'd eat a protein bar for breakfast. I'd eat a yogurt for lunch. And then for dinner, I'd have like chicken and vegetables and you know what I mean? Like it was just, I didn't buy myself any quote unquote junk, you know what I mean? I just didn't, keep it around so during the week I would and you know I was teaching at the time so it's like I'm on my feet like many hours a day I'd come home go to the gym and I for sure wasn't eating enough you know but I didn't know that and I lost more weight when I got out to Colorado and I felt great and I would go back to New Jersey for visits and people would be like you look amazing like you have gotten so skinny like you look so good you know and so again like that feels awesome right So I um, just kind of continued down this path of the dieting, the constant not eating enough. And what kind of started to happen, this was kind of always the case um, through middle school, high school, college. But for some reason, it really stands out in my mind in those years, like when I first moved to Colorado, was I fell into this very obvious, very definitive pattern of restrict, restrict, restrict all week and then weekend binge, binge, binge. And it was just like binge, restrict, binge, restrict. Now I didn't have this language for it at that time. Of course not. In my mind, it was just like, no, it's fine. I eat really healthy during the week. And then on the weekend, I have like a cheat day. But And just to clear it up for people, what I mean by restrict is what I mean is that, you know, Monday through Friday, I would restrict myself so I would set rules like no sugar or no carbs or only a carb at one meal or no eating after seven or whatever, you know, or or I would restrict myself to a certain amount of calories. Um, There was a while where I was like, I had to keep myself under a thousand calories, you know, Monday through Friday. And then if I was really good Monday through Friday, quote unquote, good, I could earn, you know, my cheat day on the weekend. And the cheat day would just be this binge where it wasn't even enjoyable. Like people talk about a cheat day, you know, like, oh, it's going to be the best. Like all week we were on our diet. And then on the weekend we get to have like our fun meal. But for me, it was just like all week, it was like white knuckling it to get to the weekend. And then I would eat so much. I would feel so sick physically and emotionally, right? Emotionally, I would be like, oh my gosh, I hate myself. I just undid all the good that I did for my body during the week. Now I'm going to have to work out extra hard. You know, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I would have like really bad stomach cramps just because that's obviously not good for your body to just be like, don't eat enough, don't eat enough, don't eat enough, eat everything you see. And this was one of the first parts that really triggered for me where I didn't even know it was wrong. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what an eating disorder was, Mm -hmm. what it looks like, how to diagnose it. 
I, I knew none of that. I didn't know what binging was or restricting was. I knew vaguely, you know, that if somebody had an eating disorder, that meant that they went in the bathroom and threw up and that was it, right? Totally. Um, and so I didn't know, but I knew that this was, that it didn't connect for me, right? right. There was something there. Um, and I think this is a big part of it. I, I would love for you to describe this a little bit more, you know, this uh, binging and purging. So I remember... I was so confused because I was like, wait, does Caitlin eat healthy or does she not care? Right. It was like during the week, what you described, that was probably the more amazing part to me. I'd watch like, okay, that's her lunch, like some crackers and a handful of nuts, right? like some raisins. I'm like, that's, that's a snack. That's not even a snack for me. And that was your whole lunch. And then, so that's, I wrap my mind around that is how Caitlin eats and then on the weekends, there was this binge where you can describe the binge and then I want to get into even what more of the binges were, but tell us a little bit more about the binge restrict. What was yeah. that? What did it actually look like? Yeah. So yeah. So the restricting was just like being super, super strict on whatever diet it was that I chose at the time, whether that's no sugar or no carbs or counting calories or counting macros or whatever it was. So the point is that I was just holding myself to like a really unrealistic standard, not eating enough, not nourishing my body enough. But again, I didn't know that at the time. Like this, like what you just said was like, I didn't know anything about eating disorders or whatever. Neither did I, mm-hmm. right? Like I thought, okay, like an eating disorder, exactly like you said, as someone who goes in the bathroom and throws up, like I don't do that, you know? So I always would just say like, I have a really bad body image. Like I just like have body image issues. So that's why I go on like constant diets. It's fine. You know, this is normal. Everybody does this. Like everyone I know is on a diet all the time. So then a binge for me though would be like, ugh, I mean, I remember, okay. So for a long time when we were in Colorado, we were um, doing like uh, a church plant situation and so on Sundays we would all get together for a meal right so I would be really good all week Monday through Friday and then sometimes I would extend it to Saturday I'd be really good Saturday and then we would go to church you know our like bible study whatever you want to call it at uh, someone's house on Sunday and there would be a meal and I would eat like embarrassingly, like, like an embarrassing amount of food. You know what I mean? Like just everything, like everything that I could eat, I would eat. And like the point of a binge is that it's like rapid, right? So it's like, you don't think about it. You don't want to know. It's, it's like, you just need to like get it in. So I remember there would be times, um, you know, once we got married, right? Where if you know Scott, you know, he loves like pop tarts and like other Mm -hmm. like whatever. So there would be times where all week I would know that the pop tarts were in the pantry and it would like haunt me in a way. So all week I would like not eat them, not eat them, not eat them, not eat them. And then maybe the weekend would come or a week moment or something like that. And I would literally just stand at the pantry, rip open a package of pop tarts, eat two of them before, I mean in under a minute, right? Like two of the Pop-Tarts down and then I'd go in for the second package. You know what I mean? And there would be times where you'd come back and be like, where are my Pop-Tarts? Right? Like, and I would be like, ugh, like, I just like, I was so good all week and then I just like wanted the Pop-Tarts. Whatever, it's my cheat day. Like, don't, like, don't shame me, you right, know? Right, and you hit two big things right there. So one, I have a terrible eating, I don't know, it's pattern, whatever. I eat just <laughs> terribly, like, you know, <laughs> 
whatever. But I wasn't aware of how that would affect you. I had no clue that me having Pop-Tarts in the cabinet would be hard for you, right? Or that that would be tempting you. And then second, yeah, I could even tell like that doesn't connect, right? She eats really healthy and she just finished a box of Pop-Tarts. Mm-hmm. Something doesn't seem right there. I think to any human, you go, is she okay? Is mm-hmm. everything all right? But I didn't want to lean in because I didn't want to say, why did you eat those Pop-Tarts? Because that would seem like I'm saying you shouldn't have. Right. Right. Or, man, are you watching your weight or X, Y, Z. Right. But I wanted to care for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I felt early on this tension of there's something wrong. I want to help. But I don't know how. I don't yeah. know how to say it. I don't know if I should say anything. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I don't I don't get this. Right. So that that is huge. But I want to stick on this binge part of it, too, because mm-hmm. I think this is big. And you said for you, I don't know if it's like this for everyone or not, but for mm-hmm. you, it was almost as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. I think now I realize there's a lot of times where you almost wanted to numb out and not admit or yeah. know that you were doing it. It's yeah. like if you could get through it quick enough before your brain finally said, I'm yeah. doing this, mm-hmm. the better. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I think, um, eating anything you could as much as you could, right? But a couple of things stand out to me in your binges. Sometimes you would say, I want to eat this because I don't know when I'm ever going to get to again. Mm-hmm. It was almost as it, like, especially maybe Thanksgiving or Easter, mm-hmm. you'd be like, so-and-so made these cookies and they only make them once a yeah. year. And so you'd be like, I have to eat as many as I can right now. Or I feel the stress to eat them all now because I'm not going to get them again for another year. Or Yeah. Well, I'm, it's the yeah. it's the diet starts tomorrow mentality, mm. right? Like, well, the diet starts tomorrow, so get it all in today. It's like the death row meal yeah. mentality. And that yeah. was me any weekend, any binge, right? It was like, yeah. I'm never going to do this again. So I might as well really live it up right now. And yeah. it was also a punishment. Um, there was like a punishment aspect to it where let's say we went to your sister's house or something like when we were living out in Colorado and it was like someone's birthday and I would have a piece of cake, like a normal human at a birthday party. Well, then I would immediately say, well, I'm disgusting that I ate this piece of cake. I shouldn't have eaten that. Because maybe let's say it was like a Tuesday or something, right? And it's like, this is this is a weekday. I should not have had cake on a weekday. I am not supposed to be eating sugar on a weekday. And then I would have such remorse, regret, self-hatred that then I would say, well, I might as well have another piece and then another piece. And are there cookies? Let me have those too. Yeah. And then maybe I'll have another roll after we're from dinner, even though I'm so full I am so far beyond the point of even wanting more food because I'm so full, but I'm punishing myself. I hate myself. So I'm just going to keep doing it because I'm never going to let myself eat this stuff again. Tomorrow, I'm probably not even going to let myself eat. Maybe I'll just like drink a detox tea. That was the second one I was going to say that I had to, I still gra- can't grasp this fully, but mm-hmm. punishing yourself, they're getting to that point where you were so full and miserable, you didn't want to eat it anymore. There was times where you were eating things you didn't even like. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, punish yourself. It was like, I I need to know the pain. And I, I wasn't sure, you know, mm-hmm. as we got through it, you know, was that because you wanted to, like, make yourself hate yourself so much, maybe you would never do it again. Yeah. Or you're just punishing yourself for doing it. But I think a lot of times it was that, what you just said of, you know, well, tomorrow I'm back on eating nothing. So I'm going to fill up as much as I can with anything that I can right now mm-hmm. because... I'm never eating like this again. And I think you really believed that every binge. Oh, yeah. This will never happen again in my life. Absolutely. Every binge was the last one. Yeah. 100%. Um, So, yeah. I mean, it was just like 
crazy and super unhealthy. Um, but I mean, I remember even when we were engaged, right? So we were living out in Colorado. We were engaged that year before the wedding. Of course, I wanted to be super skinny for my wedding. Like I'm sure any bride has the same feeling, right? So I remember that year, you know, um, doing new workouts and trying new diets and things like that. Like I remember one time going on like the special K diet, which is like so stupid. It's like you have a bowl of cereal, you have a bowl of special K for breakfast and a bowl of special K for lunch and a healthy dinner. Like what is that? But I did that. I did the cabbage soup thing again. I did this thing called the three day diet, whatever, basically just like all this stuff. I did this leading up to, um, our wedding. And honestly that year I probably got to like the thinnest that I ever was. And again, you know, people complimented me like you wouldn't believe, you know, like you look so amazing, you know, on and on and on. And I just knew inside that I hated myself, you know what I mean? But I wanted so desperately to look good. And I mean, I remember, two weeks before our wedding. I was back in New Jersey at this point. You were still back in Colorado. And I remember waking up. Um, I remember it very distinctly. It was two weeks before the wedding and my cousins and my sisters had thrown me like a little bachelorette party and we had like slept over my cousin's apartment and like had, it was like fun, whatever. We stayed up late watching movies, whatever. And we like ate a lot of junk. And I remember waking up the next morning And on my way home, I was like with my sisters in the car and I said like, I cannot believe that I'm two weeks out from my wedding and I look like this. I thought, like I genuinely thought I was like so overweight, you know? And it was just so not true. Like at the time I was probably 15 to 20 pounds lighter than I am today, you know? And I remember saying, I cannot believe that I let myself look like this and I'm going to be a bride that looks like this. And I remember stopping at vitamin shop, you know, know, vitamin shop, hey, whatever, (laughs) why they spell it that way. I have no idea. But I remember going in there and I remember like the guy I talked to and I was literally like, I am getting married in two weeks and I can't look like this. You have to help me. I was like, please help me to lose weight. And I remember he was like, he did the obligatory, like you don't need to lose weight, but I mean, obviously he's going to sell me something, you know what I mean? And he sold me this like completely overpriced, I don't know, juice cleanse thing. I don't even know what it was, but it was like something where it was like powders and blah, blah, blah and supplements and things. And I did that for two weeks and like, did I lose weight before the wedding? Yeah. Maybe it was the juice cleanse. Maybe it was the stress. I mean, I I was hardly eating anything. I'm sure anybody could lose weight on that, you know? Um, and you know, so then it's like... Meanwhile, you're eating nothing but doing extra workouts. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Like, that is very unhealthy, Oh, right? totally. Oh, that was the thing I was going to talk about before, actually, with the binging, is that always with binging came a form of punishment after, okay? Mm-hmm. So you'll hear a lot, if you're learning about eating disorders, like, you know, in, like, health class or something like that, you'll hear about binging and purging, okay? So what they mean by that is the binge, which we've already talked about, and then the purge, which oftentimes for people who are bulimic is throwing up. But for me, my version of purge, like the way that I punished myself was oftentimes by punishing myself in the gym, punishing myself by not eating anything the next day, 
I would punish myself even in weird ways, like things with my clothes. Like after a binge, I wouldn't allow myself to wear something that's like cute. I, cause I felt like I don't deserve to like look good after a binge. So I would just wear like ratty old leggings and like a huge sweater that I didn't even like anymore. You know what I mean? Like it was literally a way to punish myself so that I wouldn't do it again. So for me, it was like the binge restrict cycle, but it always went binge and then punish yourself, you know? So anyway, then, you know, we got married. And I mean, I remember even on our honeymoon though, I remember restricting on our honeymoon. Like you would think you're on vacation. You're at this gorgeous resort. I, the whole week, I remember being so self-conscious because I was going to be in a bathing suit. And just to be clear, I was never self-conscious in front of Scott. Scott was always, you know, you were always amazing telling me that I was perfect, all of those things. But I remember always saying to you, that doesn't really mean anything to me because love is blind. And I think that you just look at me in these like rose covered colored glasses and like you just think that I look better than I actually look. Like I look better to you than I look to the world. So like you're not a good measure. Like, and I would say that to you, you know? And so I remember remember. on our honeymoon, yeah, I remember on our honeymoon being so self-conscious because I felt like, oh, I'm in a bathing suit all day. Like I hate this. So on our honeymoon, I would like eat breakfast and then basically like not eat lunch. We'd go out to dinner. You know, I wouldn't allow myself to ever have dessert or anything like that. And so I was basically restricting even the whole week on our honeymoon. And on the last day, um, I remember you took a picture of me or something and I saw it and I hated it. Like I hated how my body looked. I, I was horrified and I was like, I can't believe I look like this, like on my honeymoon. Like, how did I let this happen? I'm like so disappointed in myself. And then I binged that day. It was like the last day, I think, you know, and I binged that day. And I remember on the last day when we were leaving, I felt so sick from the binge. Like I remember my stomach hurt so bad. Um, And that was kind of like another funny part of the story. And I don't mean funny, like, haha. I mean, funny, like tragic, like that. I had so many digestive issues, constant stomach aches, constant cramps and things like that. And it was like so crazy because I never ever attributed it, whatever, attributed it. Am I even saying that right at this point? You got it. Attributed. (laughs) I hate myself. Anyway, I never linked it. To the, to the way that I was eating. I always thought, you know what? I think it's this like sweetener I use in my coffee or maybe I'm allergic to gluten or maybe I'm allergic to dairy. And it never like dawned on me, like perhaps you have a lot of stomach issues because you eat a thousand calories a day during the week and then like 5,000 calories on the weekend and your, your body can't possibly keep up with the way that you are treating it. Like perhaps that's what is causing, but like never once did that dawn on me. Never once did anybody say that to me. I went to countless doctors. I remember, you know, when we were early on in our marriage, I remember going to like a few different doctors about like my stomach stuff and they would just be like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like they would test me for food allergies. I didn't have any blood work, blood work, like all this stuff. And they were always just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, and like, and the binging and restricting continued, you know? Um, and then I... 
That was, that, let me say too, I yeah. think that was one thing that was always really hard for me and even mm-hmm. frustrating is to watch you with your body dysmorphia, to see you as this beautiful woman, and then to have you see a picture and hate yourself so much. Mm-hmm. It, I couldn't comprehend it. It mm-hmm. just did not click for me. And it was honestly very frustrating, mm-hmm. you know, at times where I wanted, I would get, I would get first, I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know how to help. And it just was so wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think looking back, you know, I, I wish I had realized earlier, okay, that, oh, that is uh, pointing to this, or that's mm-hmm. a symptom of that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely feeling those things. And the other thing I wanted to just throw in real quick, I think you hit on it with the purges, was um, in purging, one of the big purges for you was working out. Yeah, you yeah. use your workouts as a purge. Right. So like, you know, someone who is like a textbook bulimic, you know, it's like they binge and then they throw up. For me, it was like I would binge and then the next day I would add time to my workout. Like I, my normal workout would be like whatever. But if it was after a binge, then I would have to add time to it, add reps, add weight, add whatever to punish myself to like get rid of, you know, like the extra food. And I think what's so fascinating about that is that's a common thought. Oh, in America. Totally. Oh, you ate terribly? Well, then work out extra hard the next day. Absolutely. The weekends are awful. The weeks I work out like crazy. Yes. It's this, it's, it's binge and, it's binge and purge. Yeah. But in a different form than most of us are used to. Right. And I mean, there's so many like very famous trainers who I'm not going to call out by name, but like that openly say that like in their training stuff you know what I mean like if you had if you enjoyed that pie on Thanksgiving like you're doing an extra 10 today like you know what I mean and it's just like you're punishing yourself for eating food which is like we'll get to that later but obviously that's not a good way to live yeah that's a that creates bad mental habits yeah that then affect everything else yeah we'll get to that later so then we get back home you know from our honeymoon and you know we're this married young married couple Mm -hmm. How did it start to develop from, you know, from then on? I think it started to take on new forms and and grow a little bit. Totally. So you would think like after you get married, like, okay, just get through the wedding. And then it's like, who cares? Like you got the guy, (laughs) you locked him in. Like, what does it matter? And I remember becoming obsessed with like, I don't want to be that girl that like looked great at her wedding, even though I personally didn't even think that I looked as good as I wished that I looked, but that's beside the point. I didn't want to be someone that like peaked at her wedding. I remember saying that all the time. Like, I don't want it to be like a year after my wedding and it's like, oh, yikes. Like, she's fallen so far. So I became increasingly obsessed with like maintaining, you know, and even looking better than I ended up looking at my wedding, you know? Um, And so it was just kind of the same stuff. Like, different diets, the paleo diet, the 30-day cleanse diet, the counting my macros diet where I pay this random stranger on the idi- on the internet, on the idiot, they're kind of the same, yeah. on the internet to, you know, tell me what my macros every day should be if I want to weigh blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, they know nothing about my life or anything. All they know is that I said, I weigh this, I want to weigh this, what should I eat? And they told me what to eat like how many macros or whatever, and I would obsessively count. I would weigh, measure, count everything, and it was misery. Yeah, and those people, the same as the guy at Vitamin Shop A, (laughs) they get money when you lose weight. Of course. Whether you keep it off or not. If it's 
if it's a diet that mm-hmm. doesn't last, it, it you know you get there and you can only maintain it for ten days, mm-hmm. and then you go back to the previous weight. They get paid, right? Yeah. And so these diets, of course, they're trying to do that. Yeah, you know that's that's what they build on. And yeah, so I think you know every fad diet that comes out, especially with what you were going through, it was like this hope maybe mm-hmm. this is the diet that's gonna help me or fix you know these other problems that I'm feeling in my body, or maybe this is the thing where I can actually. Oh, this diet, I actually get to eat again yeah. and it's, I'm still supposed to lose weight. Like yeah. actually, wow. Like something inside you goes, that's healthy and yeah. I could still lose weight. Like yeah. all these ones play on your hope mm-hmm. of trying to achieve all these things that are buried down inside you from the time you were four years old, mm-hmm. you know, seventh grade yeah. and so on. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, okay. So early married. Yeah. Still so growing, then, still developing this. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Uh, you know, you can weigh in heavily at this part basically, but I mean, I remember in our early marriage, it kind of got to the point where I started, it started impacting like my life in a different way. It started, um, like if I had a binge and I hated the way that I looked or the way that I felt, I would skip a social event, right? If I put on a pair of jeans in the morning and I felt fat in them, you know, quote unquote fat, um, you know, if like the jeans felt tight or whatever, I would, you know, sometimes not go to like a birthday party we were supposed to go to or a church thing that we were supposed to go to or whatever. I mean, I remember really clearly um, when we were out in Colorado, your whole family was going to our nephew's baseball game one day and I had binged, I guess, the night before or something and I woke up that morning feeling like so... I hated myself so much. I hated how I felt. I hated how I looked. I couldn't even get it together to go to the baseball game. And I told you to go and tell your family that I was just sick. Like I literally, it was so dark. Like I was just getting to a place. I remember on our one year anniversary, we were back in New Jersey um, and we were going to go to the place where we got married at the Liberty House for dinner. And we almost missed our dinner reservation because I couldn't get dressed because I had been eating in my mind so terribly since we were back in New Jersey. Like I'd been eating so much, like indulging because it was like vacation and like, you know, my mom makes all these delicious foods or we would go out to ice cream, like whatever. And I hated myself so much that I literally almost made us cancel our one year anniversary dinner. Like that's how bad it was. I cried the whole way there. Yeah. And I I think for me, you know, I, First off, it didn't start that way. I think it progressed to that. You know, it wasn't like, well, you know, from as soon as we got married, then I just opt out of social events. Oh, it was of more like, you know, after, over time, it was like I can't bring myself to go to this thing, like right. you said I with couldn't. the baseball game. Yeah, and and what that looked like was sometimes Caitlin collapsed on the floor, crying hysterically. Yeah, because she couldn't. There was this thing inside her. It had grown to such a point, I mm-hmm. think, where you couldn't maintain it. And physically, what you had done to your body, your body probably couldn't withstand as much stress anymore. Yeah. As well as just this, the whole dilemma of it, of it just not making sense. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all the pieces that go with it, we had hit a point. But I didn't realize that at at the time that it was growing and Mm -hmm. it, it had become this. A lot of me thought this is who, how it had been for your whole life. Mm -hmm. And now that we're married, I'm just now seeing it. And that's, to a degree, that's true, right? Yeah. Like, I had had a lot of these behaviors my right, whole right. life. You know what I mean? Like, but, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely spiraled for sure. Yeah. 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 
and and probably compounded with I mean obviously this event of being married you know yeah there's parts there uh, you being far from your family there's parts mm-hmm. there you know all these things that contributed to it but yeah I, you know this was a very dark time and when when I think I started to realize that I couldn't stand by and observe anymore mm-hmm. I realized I started to realize slowly this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not normal. Yeah. And I started to step out of the, but I don't want to be offensive. Yeah. You know, I don't want to make, like, make her mad or make her think I'm saying she's fat or doesn't look good or something else. Right. But I have to say something now because this is damaging her life. Yeah. And I didn't know what that looked like, but, you know, started trying to go that, that way. But definitely for me, a big one was those nights where we couldn't go out. You know, I know one of them that sticks out in my mind is we were going to see a really close family friend Mm -hmm. and we, it's minutes before going out. We can't cancel on these people. Yeah. And, but you were like, there was no way we were getting out that door. Yeah. And for me, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. Yeah. Like, why would a pair of pants keep you from right. whether you can go see these people or not? Like, yeah. put on a happy face for a few hours. Let's mm-hmm. go and have fun. Then come back and cry. You know, or what? Like right. all these thoughts that race through your head yeah. that I could not comprehend. But those were some of the the most difficult times I think, you know, for you mm-hmm. to try and process through that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It was rough. I mean, I would definitely say, like, I was sinking into a depression, um, and I just knew, all I knew was if I could just find a way to get to my goal weight and stay there, I Mm. would be happy. That was just all that I could think of, is, like, if I could just lose weight and stay there, Mm -hmm. then I would be happy, because I knew that I looked in the mirror and I hate what I saw, And I hated that I felt so out of control around food sometimes that I would have these crazy binges. And I just hate it. So basically, um, finally, around February 2015, Scott, you essentially sat me down and you laid out um, a bunch of papers that you had printed off of the internet. And on each page was a different counselor in the area. And all of them kind of specialized in like either like eating disorder or body image or things like that. And I remember like, I remember it was in our apartment and you sat me down at the table and you laid them out and you said, you're going to call one of these people or I'm going to call one of these people and just set up an appointment for you. And I'm going to drive you there and walk you in. Mm -hmm. So either you can choose the one that you want and you can call yourself and set up an appointment or I'm going to do it. And I remember at the time saying to you like, but Scott, this is so stupid. Like I'm embarrassed to go to a counselor that specializes in eating disorders. I don't have an eating disorder. Like I don't throw up after I eat. I don't starve myself. Like I'm not underweight. No one would look at me and be like, uh Oh, like, There's something wrong with her. Like, I'm an average size. I 
am a functioning adult. I don't throw up. I don't do any of these things that you read about or see in the movies. So like I'm embarrassed to go to a counselor that specializes in eating disorders. They're going to look at me and be like, why are you here? Get a grip. Like there's nothing wrong with you, you know? And so I fought it and I fought it hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was a hard fight, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for me, I had a lot of self doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to, you know, step on your life or your processes or whatever. Yeah. I thought I was wrong. You know, I didn't even understand probably a lot of what you were doing. The binges, I definitely still didn't. I didn't get those at right. that point. But yeah. again, all these parts I knew were hurting you. And I think for me, one one helpful part was probably that it got to the point that you were collapsed on the floor crying mm-hmm. because that's something I can look at and say, we are canceling events with people that she desperately, I mean, Caitlin's the ultimate extrovert, mm-hmm. right? So she like needs to be with people. Yeah. And for her to say, I can't go be with those people, it didn't check out. Yeah. Right. And so it, it, I guess in a way, like many things do, it got bad enough that I finally knew there was a problem that I had to act on. And I was still scared, you know, self doubt. I didn't know if it was the right thing, whatever. But I've always been a huge fan of counseling. Mm-hmm. It's saved my life. Mm-hmm. Counselors have been just amazing, you know, for me. And so I knew that and I knew that it was it was vital. And then the other part that I knew was I couldn't walk Caitlin through this. I didn't understand it. Right. I couldn't I, as much as I wanted to help, I didn't even know what was going on or how to help. And even if I did, I knew it couldn't come from me, right? Because mm-hmm. it would have it would have been so offensive to you or you know, it just it can't come from the significant other. And this was a great way to say, let somebody else yeah. bring the help, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I did start to do the research. And, and, you know, printing out those papers wasn't the first step. I mm-hmm. think we had talked many times, hey, you should try a counselor. Hey, maybe yeah. talk to somebody about this. Mm-hmm. Hey, don't think that that is normal or probably good for you. Why don't right. you, you know, talk with somebody? And it never happened. Mm-hmm. And I think after so long of it not happening and realizing things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. And... She's not taking any action on this. Okay, I have to make this happen. Mm -hmm. How do I do that in the most loving way? And for me, it was, let me do the legwork, Mm -hmm. print out the papers, and maybe a little research on this, and I'm going to make it as easy as possible where all she has to do is call that number Mm -hmm. and set up the appointment. Yeah. And thank you to you, praise God, even though you thought I was crazy and wrong, you did it anyway out of love for me. Yeah. So I went because you wanted me to, and... Um, I, you know, can never thank you enough for pushing me to do that because it, it saved me. You know, I remember, um, my first counseling session, you know, I walk in, the counselor was this like young girl named Audrey. I will always remember her. And, you know, I just, she was basically just like, so what brought you in? You know? And I just started talking to her about the food stuff, my body image stuff. And she asked me a lot, a lot of questions about, you know, do you do this? Do you do that? What do you do when this happens? What, you know, whatever. And basically by the end of it, she was like, Caitlin, you have an eating disorder. And I was like, but I don't, I was like, listen, were you listening? Like, I don't throw up. And I was like, Audrey, look at me. I'm an average size person. Like people with eating disorders are like emaciated looking. Like, you know what I mean? Like I obviously don't look like that. Like if anything, I think I have weight to lose. You know what I mean? Like whatever. And she was like, Caitlin, eating disorders don't have a look. 
That mm. is the biggest misconception in our society. And one of the problems with the way people learn about eating disorders is that they think it's this super dramatic, super obvious, overblown thing. And sometimes it is that. But a lot of times it's like almost like a functioning alcoholic, right? Like you can't tell, you know, this person is doing really well. They're, you know, going to work. They're successful. They have a family. They're fine, supposedly. You know what I mean? And she was like, that's basically like what you are. Like you're functioning. You go to work. You have a husband. You have a relation. You have relationships with people and whatever. But she was like the intensity with which you restrict and then binge and then punish yourself and hate yourself and the intensity with which which you are counting, measuring, weighing, obsessing, going over and over and over things in your mind, body checking, constantly, you know, checking in the mirror, things like that. Like all of these behaviors and the intensity with which you do them adds up to an eating disorder. And I... That was a really, really hard pill for me to swallow because I felt embarrassed by it because I felt, and this is going to sound weird, I didn't feel embarrassed that I had an eating disorder. I felt embarrassed to tell people I have an eating disorder because I thought the first thought people are going to have is you're not skinny enough to have an eating Mm. disorder. That was why I was embarrassed. That's how messed up I was. Was that I didn't want people to know that a counselor had diagnosed me with a, with an eating disorder because I didn't want them to think, well, you're, she's not skinny enough for that. Mm. I wished I looked l- more like I had an eating disorder. That's how messed up my brain was like at that point. And I would, so I basically met with Audrey every single week for like five or six months straight. And it was life-changing. Like, it was like boot camp. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, I look back on my notes from that time and she changed everything for me. Mm. And another thing that she did was she very early on said, I'm gonna ask you, she was like, I can't make you, but I'm gonna basically do anything just shy of make you. I need you to meet with a dietitian as well. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, Uh, No one knows more about nutrition than me. Trust me. I've read every book. Like, I know. I know what a calorie is. I know what a carb is. Like, I don't you worry. I can count macros. Yeah, like, I'm good at this. Like, please. Like, I'm healthy. And she was like, you need someone to put you on, like, an eating plan. And I was like, are you nuts? Like, and then I thought, oh, maybe this will be good. Maybe she'll help me lose weight. Like, maybe this dietitian's going to help me lose weight. And that's why, like, I can meet with her. Basically, so my dietitian um, and Audrey actually, you know, worked together. So I would meet with each of them separately, you know, for an hour each week. They would meet and they just kind of like intensely helped me heal. And can you tell, like, what are a few just of the, the basics that shifted that from Audrey? Like, do you remember any of the key points that were, like you said, it was a complete shift. Was it in realizing that you had an eating disorder, certain practices of eating. was What was the shift? So, um, yeah, I mean, the realization that I had a problem was huge. And then also um, 
just like super basic things. I remember very early on one of them saying to me, you know, food is not moral. You talk about all food that Mm. it's either good or it's bad. Like you say, I was really good all week. I was bad on the weekend. What does that mean? And I'm like, well, I ate good foods on the, during the week. Well, what are good foods? Mm. You know, like what are bad foods? And they were like, you know, food is not moral. All foods are molecules on a plate that don't hold any moral value over your life. And, and it became very clear that I had like attributed morality to food. You know what I mean? And food had a personality. I remember most things that you thought were really funny or whatever were based around food or most things that you talked about with people Mm -hmm. were based around food. I connected with people over food and things like that. So, and then another thing that, um, they really opened my eyes to is they said, you know, Recovery from an eating disorder is incredibly challenging because if somebody is an alcoholic or a drug addict, which I am not trying to say, please don't at me. I'm not trying to say I was like as bad. Like I'm I'm not comparing my struggle to somebody with a drug addiction, but for sake of comparison, if somebody is an alcoholic or a drug addict, you simply like, you just don't drink anymore. Like if you're an alcoholic, no more alcohol for you. Like don't go to a bar. Don't hang out with people that encourage you to drink. Just don't do it. But if you have an eating disorder, you have to eat to live, right? Like food is never going to be gone from our lives. You can't say to somebody, okay, so you could just, just never go to a restaurant or a family gathering or whatever again. You know what I mean? Like, so recovery from an eating disorder is complex because it's not just a matter of like cutting something out. It's actually bringing something in, you know? And so it's hard, but, um, I owe so much of my healing. I mean, first and foremost to you for getting me into counseling. But then that first five months that I spent with my counselor and my dietitian, you know, every single week, it was intense and like I have two full notebooks you know like from the time that I you know met with them and it I would say that by the end of the first few months with them I would say that I was officially out of oh that was another thing sorry they you know wouldn't they encouraged me to get rid of my scale so I remember I turned I brought to counseling one week I turned it into Audrey and she she said like I'll just hang on to it for you you know Mm -hmm. and then I decided to never take it back but the dietitian she would blind weigh me every week like so you know things like that well I remember one thing that they you know I I would spend a whole episode talking about these nuggets of truth and Mm -hmm. just retraining a different way of thinking right and I think early on that was huge but one of the big ones for me was this concept of ed yeah, yeah, yeah. ED, right? Yeah. Eating um, disorder. Eating disorder. And to think of it as a person. Yeah. Right? Um, and there's a book that goes along with this that's been incredibly valuable for me to read, actually. Yeah. In trying to work through this with you. Life Without Ed? Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. We'll link it in the show notes. It's yeah. really, it's a really good book. And it kind of just like um, characterizes an eating disorder as like a person that you're, it's like an abusive person. But anyway, um, what I cut myself off from saying earlier was that after the first few months of working with Audrey and the dietitian together, um, I really felt like after the first few months I had officially kind of stepped out of my eating disorder, like the intensity of it. Right. 
Um, I'll go, I'll share a little more in a minute. I, I believe that my disordered relationship with food still continued for years after, but after just those first few months of counseling, wouldn't you say that I normalized like my eating and my exercising and things like that normalized rapidly just after those first few months again it wasn't perfect and i still definitely had a lot of issues still it was a different it was a different phase of life yeah a lot of them were still there the binging and restricting some some of the sometimes would pop up sometimes there you know there was a lot of that but um definitely a different way of life and i think it definitely took us from you know you not being able to function in life you know collapsing on the floor not being able to go out to events to just almost immediately, yeah. you know, without much changing except for just talking with them, yes. being able to go to events again. Yep. Because again, remember, this was affecting our entire life. We were trying to plant a church. Mm-hmm. You Trying to get to work every morning yep. was a major challenge yeah. uh, for us to obviously have a social life as a young couple. Yeah. Like all of that was affected in this time. And Nobody knew right. this was all behind the scenes. Oh yeah. Nobody knew that we were dealing with these things daily. Oh like, yeah. Just to get to the things that we were doing in our life, we had already climbed this mountain, right? Yeah. Those things, it was so heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like for me, I felt some of that because it was confusing, whatever. But for you, it was just this. I mean, just so much pain and difficulty. And in just this short time of just talking with them, yeah, that kind of I would say went away totally. Like let's like so let's say like on a scale of one to ten, like let's say ten is like, you know, like a, a horrifying eating disorder, and a and a one is you have a perfectly healthy relationship with food. Like let's say, I walked into that first counseling session at like an eight. You know, I would say in the first few months, I was brought down to like a four or five, right? Where like, I still had some issues. I still did have some restricting and binging and things happening, but definitely not with the intensity that it was at for sure. And praise God. And like for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, I think sometimes people think like, oh, counseling is all just like fluffy feelings and things like that. And sure, sometimes it is, but uh, they even helped me a lot practically speaking like I would say like I'm going out to dinner on Friday with friends and like I'm nervous I'm gonna binge and they would talk through it with me my dietitian would sometimes sit down with me like with a menu do you know what I mean and talk through with me like what would you want to eat what do you feel like you should eat what do you feel like is good what do you feel like is bad can we find something that you can feel good about like how can we challenge you? How can, you know what I mean? And like that things was like that. Huge. Oh, massive. That? I was learning somebody, how to eat. Yeah. And to have somebody just to talk it through with. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. think about that going into a, an evening where you know you're going to binge and the yeah. panic and the dread and yeah. all of that, not being able to talk about it. Totally. I couldn't even help. Right. Yeah. But then now you're in a new world where before that ever happened, you got to process it, yeah. think about it and have some help. Oh. I mean, look, it didn't, it wasn't perfect, but helped immensely oh it was yes absolutely so basically i we've been like so long-winded so like let me uh speed this up so basically another thing that i want to make really clear to everybody listening is that um recovery is not linear you know growth is not linear you know that obviously if you've ever done anything in your life so basically yes from the first day of counseling until today like 
have I improved immensely? Yes. But there was definitely certain seasons of setback and things like that. So just like, re I'm going to sum this up really briefly, but after about five or six months of working with the counselor and the dietitian, and I was doing really well, um, we decided to move back to New Jersey. And right before we moved back, I ended up seeing another doctor about my digestive issues again. And this doctor said, you have really, really high thyroid antibodies, which is an indication that you have this autoimmune disease, Hashimoto's, you know, I suggest that you go on this diet called the autoimmune protocol, which is basically no gluten, no dairy, no sugar, no caffeine, no eggs, no nightshade vegetables, no seeds, no whatever. It was like basically, no you air, eat. No yeah, water. it was yeah. horrendous. So, but I felt like maybe I should try this to see that if it, if it could heal my thyroid and whatever. And so I had talked it through with the counselor and the dietitian and they'd said, you know, if you want to do it, you could do it for a, a period of time and we'll walk with you, walk you through it to make sure that this doesn't, you know, completely revamp your, your eating disorder. And so I did that for a while. So when we first moved back to New Jersey, I was like on that diet for a while, um, which, uh, you know, so I wasn't eating gluten or dairy or whatever, like for a really long time. And, um, then I did the slow reintroduction thing, trying to see which stuff impacted my thyroid Long story short, nothing really came of the diet and I ended up kind of feeling like it it started negatively impacting my progress toward recovery from my eating disorder and all at the same time, then I got pregnant with my first child. So, and then that was complicated because, you know, when you're pregnant, you got to make sure you're getting nutrients and then also if you're super nauseous, how are you eating? Like, like you just need a cracker, like hello, you know what I mean? So, anyway... I decided to go off of that diet while I was pregnant with Jace and basically just kind of like see how I did. You know what I mean? Just kind of like see what shakes out from this. And so then I went into like a long period of time where it was like, you know, I'm pregnant with Jace, then I'm breastfeeding her, then I was pregnant with Emerson, then I was breastfeeding her and I just kind of, you know, was doing pretty well with my, you know, recovery. I was still seeing a counselor, um... And at this point, you know, we were talking about other stuff, but, you know, the eating disorder would come up every now and again, and we would talk through it, and, and you know, whatever. And I felt like I was doing fine, to be honest. Like, I didn't, I didn't think that I was, like, fully, like, experiencing food freedom, but I felt like I'm fine, right? Um, and then about a year and a half ago, I started the anxiety medication and after being on the medicine for about six months I felt like it kind of caused me to put on maybe a few pounds but I, I wasn't sure because you know we don't have a scale because that's something that you know in my recovery so like we don't own a scale so I wasn't sure but I felt like my clothes felt tighter um and so that really like messed with my head a lot you know I started falling back into like the restricting and binging. I, I, I was like feeling very tempted to go on a diet to try and like, you know, lose the weight. But I knew that it would probably be really bad for me to go on a diet because that would probably send me right back to the bad place, you know. And I was having all of these feelings and all of this like whatever. And so Scott, again, you know, you swooped in and you were like, listen, I don't want this like getting back to where we were. I really want you to start meeting with a dietitian again or something. And so I thought about it, you know, I wasn't sure, but basically I started reading books again and I started listening to um, this podcast about intuitive eating. 
And I just felt like they were like totally speaking my language. I just felt like it was like exactly what I needed to hear. And um, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's called What the Actual Fork Podcast. And uh, so I basically ended up reaching out to one of the girls because they're dietitians, the ones that, you know, the the podcast hosts, they're dietitians. So I reached out to one of um, their companies and got connected with a dietitian through them. And I've been working with her for, I don't know, since October? How many mm. months is that? October, November, December, January, February, March, April. So about six or seven months now. And she has totally, totally changed things for me. Like I said. This is a new level. But let me say yeah. first before that, again, we realized there was some problems. We were back in the same place years and years later. Yeah. We're, we're now, we've been married for years, mm-hmm. right? And we get back to the same point and we go, but it, do we even need counseling? Right. Do we yeah, even yeah, need, yeah. Like, oh, but is it really that? And, you know, we're still not there, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're al- it's always this process of trying to navigate what is happening? Yeah. Where are we? Um, and again, praise God, you know, I think you can give me credit, but you get a lot of credit mm-hmm. in all of this um, because... Uh, you found this one and you were debating mm-hmm. like oh, it costs more money. Yeah, is it worth like, the money? You know, yeah. You can't be forking out money for things like this, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, but you knew like, I need to do this and you did your research. Mm-hmm. And again, I think this is why we love podcasts because yeah. you had gotten to know this through the podcast yeah. and, and so on. And so again, I think it go, it can't go without saying that. Yeah there was still this struggle and tension of do we do this is the yeah. right this the right one Should I or get whatever help? yeah but yes as you said you get into this and we realize that this is now a new realization a yeah. new i don't know how to even put it yet yeah so but. basically like uh the way that i've been thinking about it is that you know 6 years ago when i first 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 went into counseling i was in a very dark place right and that my first counselor and dietitian 100% brought me out of that deep eating disorder, like I said. And then in the years since then, I've kind of just been coasting a little bit, improving a bit, you know, but I needed, I I don't even know how to explain it. I needed one final huge push to like really get me over the line of like, truly leaving that in my past and and really stepping into a life of like food freedom and that's what my dietitian now Lauren has really done for me is she kind of like gathered up all the stuff I learned in the past and everything like you know from my eating disorder days to now then like pregnancy and breastfeeding and then not being sure and gaining some weight and just kind of being like floundering a little bit you know and falling a little bit back into the binging and restricting not as intensely but a bit And she kind of gathered all of that up, you know what I mean? And was like, here we go. Like, we are going to do this together. And I am going to help you reach a place of food freedom where you are not controlled by food anymore. It is not that it's like all you think about, you're obsessed with it, you regret, you worry, you that like... We're going to get you to a place where, like, you are properly nourished and can obsess no more. You know what I mean? I love how you put that food freedom because it felt like before 
A, they had pulled you out of the darkness, yeah. right? And it was as if, you know, there was this brokenness and whatever, and they, they helped you see it a different way, bring you into this new way of thinking. But then from then on, it was kind of almost mitigating it. Yes. It was like, okay, okay, I don't want to binge. That's not good. So I need to do these things so that I don't binge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which was great. You know? Yes. Um, I was going to use the example. It's almost like, you know, you're learning something and you learn the first step, first few steps. You learn karate yeah. and you get to that first or second belt and then you just kind of ride it out for a long yes, time. Yes, that's, that's, yeah, that's actually like a really good way to put it is that I wasn't, it's like I was doing it, but there was still a lot I was missing yeah. to, the, to the healing. And then this one is truly this freedom of, it's not about just fighting against Ed, against the eating disorder. It's not about just mitigating it or managing it. There is a place beyond that where, where there is freedom where yeah. you don't have to be scared of food where you don't have to do that and I think that's so important because probably there's so many people that have an eating disorder that don't realize they have an eating disorder. absolutely there's so many people that are still doing diets I, I think through this Caitlin and I have come to hate diets because yeah most if not all of them I don't know I won't knock all of them but yeah. most of the time it gets you to a place that's unmanageable that's 100%. what a diet does is yes. it just it takes your body to a place that you like you can't maintain. Trying, you can't maintain it. Yeah. It's not healthy um, versus a different way of, you know, seeing food. And like you kind of said earlier, it's not moral. It's not, yeah. it doesn't have to control you. And there was this freedom yes. in it. Yeah. I could talk about this all night, but yes. we won't, we'll save that for, for later. But, yeah. you know, I think so many people probably are, are dealing with some of this stuff that don't realize. And that, mm-hmm. and I know we still were, even yeah. though we had come to this new place of, okay, we're free from that. We thought we were free. Yeah. But like you said, it's not linear. There's always this process totally. of, you know, wow, God's taking us to new places mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I just feel really thankful. I mean, you know, like I, I can sit here today and say that I am leaps and bounds ahead of where I was, you know, like in, when I was in that deep, dark dungeon of an eating disorder, I am, I don't even recognize that girl. Honestly, I look back at pictures of myself from that time and I feel bad for that girl. You know, I do like, there are times even like, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved our wedding and our honeymoon and I was so joyful and it was like the happiest time of my life, you know, but Sometimes I look at those pictures and I think like, oh, that poor girl, like, mm. hated her body so much, you know what I mean? And said such awful things about herself and, you know, and it's like, it's something that I'm, I'm just so deeply committed to, um, not showing that to my daughters. I don't mean not showing that, like, mm. I mean, not modeling that for them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I... I want them to their whole lives, you know, walk in food freedom and to feel comfortable in their bodies. And, you know, I, I knew that if I, um, continued in that, you know, dark place of self-loathing that there's no way that wouldn't spill onto my kids, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm committed to continuing to pursue healing for them and for me and for you. And we don't know what that looks like yet, Yeah. but we know that we don't want them to experience that. And I know you know, that's where this was born out of for me is I didn't, I couldn't have put it in those words or thought about it and looking back, but it just broke my heart that you had to feel that way, you know? Yeah. And I think, as you say now, it still does that, 
you were so tortured, you know, by so much of this and, and, you know, the struggle that you had to go through. But for me, it makes me yeah very thankful for a couple of reasons, um, you know, that you were going through that and still, you know, loved me and your family and your friends the way that you did and the way you persevered. And, you know, for me, just seeing your strength through this whole thing, I mean, it's it's just been amazing. And I appreciate you going through the parts that you didn't even want to or believe just because, you know, just out of love. And um, I'm thankful for it has taken taken us and uh, just to see God's provision in, well, in all of it. I'm thankful for you. And I'm really excited to say that we are releasing part two of this. And what it's going to be is a really awesome conversation between me and my dietitian Lauren and I think it's like seriously I'm so beyond excited about it because we talk all about intuitive eating and what that means she talks about the difference between eating disorders and disordered eating and just like really digs into what does it mean to walk in food freedom and how can you do that and she's incredible I'm so excited and if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking oh I'll skip that one because that doesn't apply to me. Like I don't struggle with food or, you know, like this isn't something that I have to, that has to do with me. I don't need to listen to a dietitian. Please. I'm asking as a personal favor, listen to it because for sure there is something that you can get out of it or you absolutely know someone. There is someone in your life that battles this. But I mean, honestly, things that Lauren has taught me or walked me through has helped Scott and Scott has a completely normal, healthy relationship with food. He's never, well, I wouldn't say that. Uh, it's, it's abnormal in a different way but well, he, no, lives, he lives on cereal and pop tarts but the it's point incredibly is, helpful I, yeah. would, I would add if you thought that i'll skip that episode you're the one that needs this the most yeah like, she is amazing i am just so excited about this one too yeah um, so so it's a twofer this week yeah please check it out it's it's incredible she's amazing and just the whole thing. We're just yeah. so excited and so thankful. I think it really comes out of a gratitude totally. to, to know this. Yeah, absolutely. So check out the episode for sure. All right. Well, thanks for sticking with us. This was way longer than we anticipated <laughs> it being. I am so sorry, but... I'm not. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> I hope you enjoy some of this. Um, obviously, again, reach out to us. Let us know on Instagram. Reach out to Caitlin. Email her. Yeah. Parts of this that stand out. You know, anything. We, we would love for this to be interactive. And, you know, um, th- this is a big step for Caitlin, you know, to yeah. to actually share this. Um, so we do hope that it, that it blesses someone in some way. Yeah. Um, but please, please check out this next episode. And yeah, we hope that that does the same thing. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, I love to get to be with you again. I don't know when the next time will be, so... Uh, we'll see when we let him back. Yeah, exactly. So grateful. Yeah. Enjoy right. the next episode. Love you guys. Bye. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for being here today. As we said in the episode, we are releasing part two of this conversation. That is going to come out on Wednesday. So you get a special twofer week. It is a conversation with me and my dietitian, Lauren. We're talking all about intuitive eating. It's completely changed my life. I think it can change your life too. So definitely come back on Wednesday. It's an awesome, awesome episode. And also while I have you here, if I could just ask a little favor, if you could take just two seconds right now on whatever podcast player you're listening to this on, and if you could just give us a little rating, that would help so much. The more readings that we have, uh, the easier it is for people to find our podcast. And that's what we want, right? We want our So What Else family to grow. So if you could do that, that would be amazing. Thanks so much, you guys. See you on Wednesday.